Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out, right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Hi, this is Stephen Maggi. Today you'll meet a great singer from Vegas who is gaining national attention. Her name is Rita Lim, a jazz singer who plays around town weekly at the El Cortez on Fridays, the Osaka Japanese Bistro on Tuesdays, that's in Henderson, and Thursdays at the Italian American Club. And later you'll meet Steve Corcoran, fine sports writer and author of the new book, Al Davis Behind the Raiders Shield. As Las Vegas prepares for the arrival of the Raiders in 2020, to understand the team history, you need to know all about Al Davis. Finally, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, tells us all about a Las Vegas personality, former mayor Oscar Goodman. Here is a sample of Rita Lim's song stylings. There were bells on a hill, but I never heard them ringing, though I never heard them at all. Was you? There were birds in the sky, but I never saw them winging. Though I never saw them at all, till there was you. Las Vegas has some great voices that you might not be familiar with if you're not here in Vegas, but there's some incredible, incredible talents, and we're going to talk to one of them today, Rita Lim. She's a jazz vocalist. She appears all around town, especially at the El Cortez, and she's a fantastic vocalist. Rita, welcome to the show. I wanted to ask you, you've kind of taken on the standards and kind of the really great jazz music. Is this something you've been interested in? Really, all your life. I know you started early. Uh, your career as you know, as a youth. Wow, I'm very impressed. You actually know everything about me. But thank you so much for um, all the kind words and all the information. Yes, um, I started out very young, and I, I do a lot of jazz standards. But my my repertoire, especially my show, I uh, I basically I'm a more of a song stylist. I think I cover songs from different genre and put my own take to it. I have a world class musicians with me. But I, but my my main my main passion is just jazz standards. But I do a lot of seventies, eighties, um, wonderful soft rock that I turn it into some smooth jazz for my listeners and my audience. Usually, oh, that sounds really great. Uh, uh, that's one of those things where you can bring that certain stylings to songs that people know from you know the past listening and so forth. It's a big deal, but you know. Your career interests me because uh, you were born in L.A., and then I know you headed off to Asia, and you kind of, right. right, and then you, that's kind of where you developed your singing talents, right, and so forth? I did, yes, yes, in, in my childhood, especially when you started young, especially in, in those countries, I, I think I owe it to uh, my background that I lived many years in Asia, because when you do a lot of lounges in, in Asia, you kind of have to cover it everything in, in, in basically every genre and I learned a lot from from doing that in my childhood so thanks to that I think I don't have I, you know I, I got a lot of experience when it comes to um, songs from different genre like R&B jazz and so forth and some Asian music that I actually thanks to that background I got a lot of um, private gigs for some Chinese community and Asian community in Las Vegas yeah yeah, and, and also you were a model, and as I thought about it, I wanted to ask you, does that kind of experience help in terms of, you know, you already could sing, but it gives you a certain stature, a way to stand, and so forth. Do you find that's helpful in, you know, singing in some of these great lounges and so forth and around, you know? I think so, too. I think that helps me a lot because, you know, you have to be camera-ready, so sometimes you have a habit of doing certain pros, but so I think it helps with 
with my uh, stage presence a lot without realizing it. But, yeah, good observation. Thank you. <laughs> well, and moving to Las Vegas made a lot of sense because you could take your talent and now you'd be matched up with some of the greatest musicians around the world. And you've really taken advantage of that. You like Las Vegas, don't you? I do. I actually, but right now I'm working on um, broadening my, my career by, um, as a matter of fact, I'm writing a few new shows that, Mike coming up in 2018 that I would like to take it on the road to. It's a few show that I'm, I'm working on. One of it happened to be I'm developing, um, uh, because I'm in contralto, which is um, the deeper theme of voice, um, I'm planning to do a show called The Reflection of the Carpenters, that people are people love the carpenters, and I'm planning to take that on the road. Mm-hmm. And the other one is called The Generation X um, Soundtrack of My Life, that um, it's underdeveloping, but I'm planning to do a certain songbook that I feel like has been neglected in especially the late 70s to the early 80s. I think there's one of the best time period of music, in American music especially. And I feel like there are many songs that have been neglected that I feel like I wanted to reinvent it and um, use my world-class musicians that I'm lucky and honored to work with right now. Um, and then develop it, and then maybe possibly take it on the road. Will be wonderful. No, festivals and some showrooms. Yeah, it sounds exciting to me because I was a disc jockey at that time. I was right out of college, just doing that stuff. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, I'm thinking of your stylings. There's so many great singer songwriters that came out. You know, tell us some That's of the right. songs you're kind of looking at in that because that really interests me. I'm a big fan of a lot of people, even including like, um, and, and if you come to my show in Vegas, I do a lot of things from. The Carpenters to Michael McDonald to a lot of jazz standards to songs like that. I feel like there's a lot of songs that really been neglected. Yeah. Per se. Right. Well, you know, you mentioned Michael McDonald, and that's a great example. I remember he did this album of some Motown hits, and it was great because, right. you know, it, and I could see you doing those type of things in the sense that because you have that experience with different genres, it must be kind of fun to take a great song and kind of put your own stylings on it. You know, it's not taken away from the original song. It's just giving you another way to listen to it. That's right. I think um, I think it's very important for us um, artists, you know, be it um, singers and musicians, when um, we can take... That's, I think that's the beauty of jazz, you know, when you can take any um, song and you're trying to um, have your own interpretation, and every singer has their own interpretation. And I think that's the beauty of being an artist, and, and I take pride in that, and really invite all of you to, when you're in Vegas, please come and say hi. Uh, absolutely. And also, if, until you get to Vegas, you can listen to one of uh, Rita's albums, The Secret of Life, came out in 2012, and I know it was really well-received, not only here, but in Asia as well. Uh, was that kind of fun, and what are you looking for uh, in the future? Are you planning to do some more albums, or what? That's um, I'm actually working on my second album right now. It's underdeveloping, so it seems like everything is going to come out and more. You hear more from me in 2018. But I was very proud of that first album. But there's um, I really looking forward to making a new one because that one was very ballad heavy. So I consider it's a lullaby. <laughs> so yeah. on my next one, I think I'm going to probably do a lot more of the stuff that I'm doing now. You know, it's like that was from like seven years ago, like almost seven years ago. I started working on that one since 2010, but I was lucky to have um, an amazing friend and producer, his new singer, who was a musical director for Debbie Reynolds for many years, so Mm. um, we did did that album, but it was very ballad-heavy, and like I said, probably people will fall asleep listening to it, but it's a great album to listen to if you have insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I look forward to your next album, too, because, you know, the albums today aren't a big deal. It was a huge deal back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And it's kind of nice. And it, you sound like you want to take that now and take it one step further. Instead of one genre, maybe you bring a number. Is that kind of what you're looking at for the second album? Right. I'm trying to do some of the originals that are my, my, my uh, close friends been writing some songs and probably taking a lot of songs that you guys know already and and, and probably do it my way. And um, it's just like um, seven years later, as my present day, I know so many world-class musicians and I'm happy to work with many of them right now in my band. For instance, my pianist, his name is Dave Siegel, and he um, he's toured with um, jazz legend Arturo Sandoval. And my bass player, who's also my musical director, his name is Blaise Hassan, Mm-hmm. who happened to be a musical director for The Family Stone. So I'm, I'm very lucky to work with, with these amazing musicians. So I feel like I wanted to do 
a lot of things even more now since I am having an amazing dance. I hope hopefully it will come out with great projects that you guys will love and please support me. The secret of life is enjoying the passage of time. Any fool can do it. There ain't nothing to it. Nobody knows how we got to the top of the hill. It's just a lovely ride. The secret of life is enjoying the passage of time. Back with more from jazz vocalist Rita Lim in just a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Angstrom Minerals represent a quantum leap in nutrition. Liquid minerals offer a more concentrated and quicker boost because they integrate into the body faster. Unlike that handful of pills you take every day, Angstrom Minerals bypass digestion and go directly to the cells. Try Angstrom Minerals for your body, your health, and your life. Register online and use your account to save 5% off your retail order every time you shop. Some restrictions apply. Please visit ElementalResearchInc.com. Are you looking to save money on your prescription medications? Are your prescription costs too high? Are you paying out of pocket for your meds? Or is your copay too high? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, you've got to check out the RX Cut free prescription discount card. And getting your free discount card is easy. All you do is go to the website rxcutdiscounts.com. The free RX Cut prescription discount card allows you to get significant discounts on either brand name or generic prescription medications, and it also works on meds with high copays. There are no fees, no forms, no personal information needed, and the cards are active immediately. Discount cards are also good for the entire family, and they never expire. Again, to get your free discount cards, visit rxcutdiscounts.com. You may get the free discount card either by U.S. mail, email, text, or simply print out the discount card online. It's just that easy. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask. Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change your after-meal behavior through brainwashing. Because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. And $1,500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Check out my braces. So when you hear this sound, rethink your behavior. Cook it. Store it. Share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see, and there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week on the show, but Scott's got a lot more there. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas, from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? That is the case, (laughs) yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. It's a must when you come to Las Vegas. VitalVegas.com. 
Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Back with Rita Lim, who appears Fridays at the El Cortez, Tuesdays at the Osaka Japanese Bistro in Henderson, and Thursdays at the Italian American Club. Talk right. a little about the show. What, what, what do you bring Thank there? Thank you. Well, the, I'm very proud and um, I'm so appreciative of the El Cortez that has been um, supportive of great live music, especially the Cortez has been around. This is our 76th year anniversary, I think, because it's one of the of the original hotels that uh, in Las Vegas history that that's still around and still going strong. But my music, especially the jazz vibration, I'm with um, a Latin uh, Latin jazz um, lessons. Basically, he's um, he's a wonderful Las Vegas treasure musician named Joe Ugardi, who worked with the Hammond and Joe Frank and Reynolds and uh, a lot of people in the past. But uh, we do a lot of Latin jazz there, and uh, it's it's where I take every song, basically, and turn to a, a Latin style, which is kind of cool. And people dancing, you're right. It has a cozy lounge. I'm there every Friday night from um, 7 to 10 p.m. If you in Vegas, feel free to stop by. It seems like we got a lot of good reviews on the Internet that people come in. But as of now, a lot of us local musicians, we relying on promoting ourselves because, you know, the media has yeah. been been promoting us much, especially not on the, the Vegas Strip, you know, especially in downtown and places like that. But people, it's been it's been great. It's a lot of word of mouth, and I've been there for three years now, and and it's always one. It's always packed with good people, and uh, I think you would enjoy it if you're in Vegas. Feel free to stop by. I would appreciate that. Or you can probably um, pop in 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 my other places that I'm performing all over town, which. Yeah, well, find for, out later on. the El Cortez would be a fun place. We interviewed uh, the current owner. We love that place. It kind of brings back oh, that did? vintage Wonderful. Vegas. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Another place we've been to that you uh, sang at, and I can't think of a better place to see you, would be at the Bootlegger Bistro. You played down there, and that's one of those fun things, and they get such great acts, and you're just another example of that. Boy, great Italian meal and a great song uh, stylist. Uh, what an evening. And that's, what's, that's a cool thing about doing Vegas, right, Reed? I know you've played all over you know every place has their their own kind of little take and brings their own little different crowd and that kind of thing to it that's right they do um actually i just finished my two-year run at the bootlegger which they've been the bootlegger's been very kind to me at a historical venue and um it's been around forever and i I'm, I'm so proud to be part of that but um right now i just finished my run after two and a half years and three years but currently, I don't know if you, but um, you can check my schedule on my website, I guess. But I'm at uh, my other two places I would like to plug is I'm Absolutely. at the in Henderson, which is a great jazz little joint, and Italian American Club. That's my other two places right now. Let's tell them where your website is because it's a great website. They'll get to hear a little of what you do, and they'll also, more importantly, get to see where you're uh, going to be performing. That's right. Thank you. It's uh, www.ritalim.com. One word: R I. T A L I M. It's readalim.com. And yes, you can click on the calendar and you know where I'm at because I'm in, up here in a few showrooms in town about once a month and different local jazz places all over town. And I would appreciate that if you come and you would see my the time and the dates that I'm in. I have my wonderful calendar in there. So I'll be grateful. Thank you. Absolutely. And Rita, we can't thank you enough. And believe me, folks, uh, if you're in Vegas, you know, put this on your schedule. You'll really enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for plucking it. I appreciate you. And thanks for all the listeners. Thank you. That was love all around. But I never heard it singing. Though I never heard it at all. Till there was you. Though I never heard it sing to Time now to fast forward to 2020 and the arrival of the Raiders. But when reviewing Raider history, it all starts with the late Al Davis. Raider Nation, let's go, let's go. Raider Nation, let's go, let's go. Raider Nation, are you ready for some football? You ain't ready for no football. If you're getting ready for the Raiders coming to Las Vegas, 
there's something you got to know. You got to understand where all this mystique you hear about, and really the entire history that comes from is from their one of their first owners, uh, certainly their first successful general manager, and so forth, Al Davis. He's really a legendary figure, and we've got a book out now that you got to get a hold of. Even if you don't like football, you will find it fascinating. The book is Al Davis Behind the Raider Shield, and with us is one of the authors, Steve Corcoran, who has been a fantastic writer for years. I've been reading him uh, Contra Costa Times, Oakland Tribune, San Jose Mercury News. Uh, he covered the Raiders while. Um, Oh, a few years ago, back for over a decade. Steve, what a great subject. I love the way you did this. You did this different than other, than other people because other people have either talked about Davis like they love him or they hate him. You did it from a point of view of talking with people that have been around him for a long time and how he makes decisions. Was that kind of a thing you figured if you could figure out how that mind works, you could really delve into who this guy is? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point um, is that um – is that I've had a lot of people ask, say, wow, I thought this was just going to be a hatchet job. I'm shocked that it's incredibly fair and balanced. I said, well, I said that should be the role of a journalist. And I said, um, and the two guys that I wrote the book with, uh, John Kingan and Bruce Kebrick, we agreed that the best way to, um, you know, to tackle this project would be to give an all-encompassing look and to let the reader decide uh, – what they thought of this man and um, so that was our goal was to paint as complete and accurate a portrayal of al davis and that if we did that then we thought the people would appreciate that uh, you know that this was fair is that we just tried to uncover as many layers of this man as possible because he is a guy that uh, he made you feel as if you knew a lot about him but when you really thought about it, step back, you didn't know that much at all. You knew what he wanted you to know, and that wasn't much. So I told Bruce and John, I said, we need to peel back as many layers of this man as possible. And uh, when you have a couple guys like that that uh, were around Al for almost 70 years combined, um, it's uh, it was possible. So I'm pretty confident that we pulled it off. You absolutely did. I got to tell you, I've been fascinated by him for years. When I covered him back, it was after a, the Super Bowl victory back in, uh, you know, when uh, Flores was coaching. This was 1980. Sure. And they, they had this big smoker that he used to have. And I actually got to sit at his table at the end of the event, and he was just talking. And he was talking about how he was fascinated by Adolf Hitler, that Hitler used to, you know, so you had to stop him, but the fear and intimidation of those things. And I'm going, this guy. I would really love to know more about him, but you never could because if you tried to talk to him, he really only let out what he wanted you to know. And you guys really got in there, you know, all the just win baby stuff and uh, commitment to excellence. Yeah, that was all his, but there's a lot more to him. And he's really kind of a strange guy, isn't he, Steve? I don't want to lump him or sum him up with one word, but, uh, you know, but he was different. He was complex. He was... um, you know, he was multifaceted, and um, and he, you know, he was well read. He was interested in a lot of things, and he wanted you to know that at least. More with Steve Corquin, author of Al Davis Behind the Raider Shield. In a moment, you are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Don't go anywhere. Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi returns right after this. Baby, baby, it looks like it's gonna hell. Baby, baby, it looks like it's gonna hell. Football is coming to Vegas. I felt that one way up here. And your home for all things Raiders is RaiderHistorian.com. Visit RaiderHistorian.com for a look at the game, the philosophy, and the personalities that have made the Raiders one of the most storied franchises in sports. The dynasty is at RaiderHistorian.com. Just win, baby. With all the talk of fake news today, it's getting harder to know who to trust. Thousands of websites, millions of opinions, even the mainstream media has gotten caught in dishonest reporting. Now, if you're looking for information you can trust, why don't you try westernfreepress.com. At Western Free Press, they let you know where they stand and you can judge for yourself. 
No fake news, no feigned objectivity, just straight news and strong opinion. That's westernfreepress.com. Hello? Lisa, it's Janet. What's wrong? Oh, it's the bridesmaids' dresses for Lindsay's wedding. Oh, no, tell me they're not fuchsia. Oh, they're not fuchsia. Then what? Oh, they're gaudy, aren't they? All ruffles and lace. <laughs> Great. We'll look like a chorus line. No, no, no. They're really quite simple. It's the material I'm most concerned about. Oh, I knew it. I specifically said no chiffon. I mean, it's so passe. I just don't it's think... It's not chiffon. Then what? They're made out of old yellow pages. What? I didn't catch that. It sounded like you said they're made out of old yellow pages. Yep. I'm afraid you heard right. It's got something to do with recycling and good karma on her wedding day. Oh, that's special. I'm not going to know whether a guy's checking me out or just looking for the number of a good mechanic. Funny. Very funny. There's a better way to recycle your outdated Dex phone books. Find out just how easy we've made it in your neighborhood. Call 1-877-2-GET-DEX or log on to DexNose.com. I'm here with Logan Reed, my own personal business coach that does so much more than just business. Logan, do you find that people come to you thinking about business and ended up leaving where it's really about their entire life? That's actually a great question because what I find is that people often come to me and ask, am I a business coach? Am I a career coach? Am I a life coach? And I say, I don't care what you call me because when you change any part of your life, so if we're talking about your career or your relationship, it's going to change everything. So when we make changes in one part, it touches every part of our life. So how do we get involved? How do we get more information about about you and what you're doing? Sure. You can give me a call at 360-529-1848 or email me at logan at loganreadcoaching.com. And you could also check out my website if you want to learn more about me at loganreadcoaching.com. I know what you're thinking. Why would I need a voiceover production company? Well, does your company need a commercial for radio or television? Does your company need an entertaining and informative on-hold message? Are you looking to do an audiobook or web presentation? Then you need a voiceover production company. That's why thousands turn to the pros at Black Eagle Sound Design. Black Eagle Sound Design is home to some of the finest voice actors, producers, and engineers in the business. At Black Eagle Sound Design, you get Hall of Fame professionalism, royalty-free music, and a 100% buyout, meaning the commercials are yours to do with as you please. See website for details. Log on now to BESD.US and find out more. It's time you worked with the best, and Black Eagle Sound Design will be there with you and your project every step of the way. On time, on target, and at a price you can afford. I'm Adele Poole, one of the many talents you'll hear at Black Eagle Sound Design. Visit us at BESD.US. Black Eagle Sound Design, because the voice you choose matters. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Back with sports writer Steve Corcoran discussing the former owner, general manager, and coach of the Oakland and Los Angeles Raiders, Al Davis like we used to at the end of a oh say if they were hiring a coach or firing a coach in Al's case we'd have a news conference and we'd have the formal portion but then as soon as it was over uh we were allowed to approach the podium and uh and Al loved those things because that was an an open forum freewheeling give and take and he you know it was a chance for him to show off uh what he knew about uh you know the situation in Russia and uh um, anything. He knew about the plight of the papers. If they were struggling, he would ask us about that. And um, so he was a, you know, he was a real interesting guy. But uh, yeah, but when you got right down to it, he would scratch the surface of a lot of things, but he wouldn't go very deep on a lot. And so that was our goal. The other thing that I wanted these guys to do, I said, look, I said, haven't covered the team for oh, about uh 20 years, yeah, since they came back to Oakland. Um, I said the thing that I hear most often is why or or how in the heck did that happen? What was he thinking? What were they thinking? I said, let's our job is to place the reader at the you know at the table in the draft room when you guys were discussing are we going to take Jamarcus Russell or Cal Johnson? We all know how it turned out and we all know that Lane Kiffin who was a coach at the time he wanted Cal Johnson but what was the discussions like you know were you 
close to picking uh, Calvin Johnson. Uh, where, why did Al want him so badly? And so that's what we're able to do. And uh, it that goes back to the Marcus Allen uh, situation back in uh, when he was drafted. Um, it, there's a perception, you know, that Al. Uh, you know, that Al didn't even want Marcus. Well, not accurate, as we're able to illustrate in this book, that when that happens, uh, when if they're going over that, first off, Al is not even in the draft room. He's in a courtroom down in Southern California. And um, so so they had to call up Al and say, hey, look, this room is split. Said it's Walter Abercrombie, who was a fine running back at the time, or Marcus Allen's. Al said, who do you want? And so he is the one who says, well, let's go with Marcus Allen because he plays on grass and he plays on the field that we're playing at. And um, so, um, but each of those stories that we have in there, they just kind of, they're multi-tentacle, to, like the Marcus Allen yeah. thing that we're just talking about. He doesn't even, he wouldn't have even been an option for the Raiders if they would have told Al what he actually ran in the forty is that Marcus ran a 4.75. Well, they knew that Al would cross him off the board if he knew what he ran. So when it gets to his desk, it uh, shows up as a 4.65. And uh, <laughs> so, now Al, so now Al will at least take a look at him. So, um, so that was fun of this book is to educate yeah. people at, at every – and what happened, why, how, and where. Well, yeah, it's great. And it's really one of these page-turners, I'm telling you, if you like sports. Every... Every chapter is a new part of this guy. Like you just talked about this whole thing with the speed. And you've got a whole chapter on the need for speed. And it got to the point, as especially as it went on past the 90s and so forth, where that was all that mattered to a certain extent. I mean, if you, didn't ha- if you weren't one of the fastest guys in the combine, he wouldn't even look at you, which doesn't make any sense in a way. But, again, I guess that all goes back to the days when he was uh, – Coming, putting this philosophy together of combining the Brooklyn Dodgers and the speed with the Yankees' power, and I guess he got so uh, enchanted with it that it became almost a, you know, it, it was almost a, a forced relic for him where he had to do it. Yeah, yeah, and in the end, you know, Al he wanted to preside over this team, his baby, his passion, up until the very end there, and um, and it became the easiest thing for him to do would be to look in the books, the Mel Kuyper books or any of the draft notes that scouts put together and to just go to the column where it had 40 times and to say, okay, say we, we need a receiver. This together ran fastest. We want him. Is that it became hard at the end for Al to watch a lot of film and study everything. So yeah, he, uh, you know, the latter part of his uh, life there, speed, became the one thing that he clung to the most and um, but uh oh but overall yeah it, speed is something that he loved and that he was at the forefront of that and the thinking was that if you have Marcus Allen yes he's a wonderful player he's a hall of fame player he can catch he can block he can run and he can might get you 132 yards but it might be on 26 carries Bo Jackson that any time when we give him the ball, he can run for 80 yards. He can run over Brian Bosworth. And so if that becomes uh, – that's why I fell in love with a guy like Bo is that he could change it, it, the complexion of a game on any time he touched the ball. Back in a few moments with the author of Al Davis, Behind the Raiders' Shield, Steve Corcoran. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see, and there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week on the show, but Scott's got a lot more there. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas, from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? That is the case, (laughs) yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. It's a must when you come to Las Vegas. VitalVegas.com.
I had a sore in my mouth that just wouldn't go away. And after a couple of weeks, I went to my doctor. A sore, lump, or thick patch in your mouth or throat could be a symptom of oral cancer. My doctor told me I was smart to come in. He said that oral cancer is more common in African-American men than in any other group in the U.S. It turns out I did have oral cancer. But it was caught early and my treatment was successful. I'm glad I got it checked. That probably saved my life. If you're an African-American man, you need to know about oral cancer. Visit a doctor or dentist if you see changes in your mouth that don't go away after two weeks. It's important to get an oral cancer exam because if you do have cancer, the earlier it's caught, the better. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. I know what you're thinking. Why would I need a voiceover production company? Does your company need a commercial for radio or television? Are you looking to do an audiobook or web presentation? Then you need a voiceover production company. Black Eagle Sound Design is home to some of the finest voice actors, producers, and engineers in the business. Log on now to BESD.US and find out more. Black Eagle Sound Design will be there with you and your project every step of the way. On time, on target, and at a price you can afford. Visit us at BESD.US. Two tight ends are lined up as tight ends. Back goes Darrell to pass. He's looking for Smith, but instead goes down the middle. Chester, touchdown Raiders! That is the Oakland Raiders. No, not the Oakland Raiders of 2017, but the Oakland Raiders of 1972. And that's what we're talking about on a new feature called RaiderHistorian.com. You go there and we have every week different highlights from years of the past, including a look back at Al Davis, the owner, all the great games, the rivalries, the philosophy of the team, and so forth. It's a must as the Raiders head to Las Vegas in just another few years. If you're here in Las Vegas, you got to know that history. And if you're from Oakland and L.A., you'll want to relive that as well. RaiderHistorian.com Dear Daddy, Dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at SnowballExpress.org. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Back with sports writer Steve Corcoran discussing the former owner, general manager, and coach of the Oakland and Los Angeles Raiders, Al Davis. Even in the deep past, were two of the ways that Al thought that he, you know, that he could take over a game at any time. That they were always in a game, and that it struck fear in the opposing teams and so it was something that uh, you know that, that that was part of what he looked for at every turn well you know you talk about striking fear and dominating you heard that all the time you have a chapter in the book i think it's the second chapter called the intimidator folks when you read this thing it's scary i mean <laughs> because it didn't matter how close you were to him or whatever he was always looking for that edge over anybody be it his best friend or his worst enemy it was actually a little bit like i say it was almost kind of like a horror read in the sense that Nothing would stop him, and I didn't know that about him until I read this book. Yeah, I've had uh, people who were mentioned in that book and who worked for Al for a lot of years said when they read that that they, you know, that their uh, breathing began to quicken again and they uh, broke out in a cold sweat is that they were taken back to uh, those, you know, those instances in the book. But, uh, yeah, he uh, ruled a certain way. He wanted you to be on your toes, and um, and if he asked you something, he didn't want you to just make up something, because if you did, he was going to pounce on you. He uh, wanted you to have a take, and he wanted you to have a reason why you offered offered that up. And if you didn't know, if you didn't know the answer to something, you would better say, I don't know, but I'm going to put in the time to find out. 
Do, and, um, well, Steve, did you ever wonder about guys like, you know, you write a lot about John Herrera, and of course before him was Alo Casal. Were these guys were as loyal as you could possibly be? And, you know, he at times would humiliate him and stuff. What brought that loyalty onto those people to the point where, you know, they would stay in a difficult situation for years and years and years? Because he was great to work for. He was, uh, you know, he was a little difficult at times, but you begin to learn. <laughs> Uh, what uh, triggered those, and so you avoided those, and um, you knew that this was a man who was as passionate about the uh, about the Raiders as anybody is passionate about anything, and that that and that in the end, that all of these guys wanted to win as much as Al, and so they just recognized that that was part of the process. And uh, but yeah, it was uh, John Herrera talks about in there real early on. That Al would uh, on a Friday say, uh, "Yeah, I think it's about time we part ways." So you you look over the weekend, and I'll look for you. And uh, it, but this is it. And he said the first time he was horrified. You know, he thought, "Oh my goodness, it, it, this is the end of my uh, Raider job here." But he said he came back Monday, and Al had calmed down a bit, and he kept his job. And then when Al you know, he would bring it up to subsequent years. He would just kind of slough it off. And uh, so, but yeah, he was, uh, he was exacting. He was demanding. And um, there was a lot of pressure. But if you showed the loyalty and the commitment to uh, help the Raiders win, he was going to do right by you in the long run. And so that's what those guys loved. Right. And you talk about some people, and again, I think of the folks in Las Vegas that are going to inherit this as their team, and I remember John Matuzak. It's just it's a great remembrance of him. Uh, you know, kind of a guy, I mean, you understand how he died so early. Very nice man in a lot of respects, but a little off the edge. And at that time, you could do that. I mean, he was a great help to the Raiders. Seems like in this NFL today, that's more and more difficult to do, to bring somebody in their last chance and they kind of turn it around. What do you think? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, But as we illustrate in that chapter is that Al was kind of at the forefront of that in the 70s. That was uh, before the free agency as we know it, and Al would go after. He loved guys like Matuzak. He would tell his scouts, say, hey, look, at one point we had that guy rated as a first-round prospect and he went to uh, the Chiefs or he went to the Broncos whoever number one and it didn't pan out our job now is to bring him in and see what went wrong is that there has to be something there that we can we can address we can work out and he loved it because he had the great uh, mindset in that saying look we didn't have to use the pick on him. We didn't have to pay the huge bonus. And now we have a guy who's been humbled, and he's on the verge of being out of the league, perhaps. Now we can get through to him. And more times than not, it worked. I mean, he did it with Ethan Horton. He, he did it with many guys. But the twos was, uh, was the classic guy. And, uh, and yeah, you wouldn't see that happening as much in at this NFL because the guy probably wouldn't be eligible. I mean, a guy like the twos, he could have been out of the league. And um, so, yeah. Well, I think one of the saddest things, and, and again, it was one of those things that was finally kind of explained to me. Here it is. He had this great, incredible run where for years and years they had the best record of any pro sports team. And then he hit that really hard edge in the uh, late 80s and mm -hmm. through the 90s, right? So he finally, he figures it out. I mean, it's his genius in the sense of getting a guy like Gruden, right? And then Gruden gets too popular, and he gets rid of him. I mean, th th that ego he has ended up killing him, you know, because Gruden should have been the team's coach, it seems to me, for maybe a decade or so. Well, he was on the verge of uh, being that, as we have in there. You see that he had agreed to an extension. It got worked out. And then when uh, Gruden goes in the office without signing it, it doesn't look anything like what he'd been told he had agreed to through his agent and Bruce Allen. And so that's where it ends up four years. But, yeah, Al had, with the... Gruden, he was always on the look for the next guy like that. That uh, It's real easy to hire a coach that's been around, a Jim Mora or a uh, whoever. Yeah. You can think of the names that have been around. But if Al 
finds a coach, then it adds, you know, then it adds to his legacy, his resume. Hey, I'm the guy that found John Madden at 31 or 32 years old when you didn't know about him. I'm the guy that found Mike Shanahan. It didn't work out here, but I'm the one that found him. And so he finds this guy, and he knows that Gruden can help him, is that he's at the low point of his uh, tenure, his reign, is that they're four and 12 in the Joe Bugle year, 1997. So Al knows that he has to change something. And so he's going to give this guy a little bit of latitude. And, um, and he's going to help him out of this, uh, you know, this hole. And uh, that if it works out, then he's going to get the credit for finding this guy, this young guy that no one's heard of. Um, and it's going to quiet the people who have, said, okay, the game is passed out by. Right. And so it works out perfectly. And then as soon as he gets what he wants out of it, it's like, uh-oh, okay, we're on the verge of winning a Super Bowl here, and we're back among the elite. But uh, people are giving credit to uh, Gruden far more than me, and he doesn't like that. Yeah, he couldn't understand and, that. What do you think would have happened? Because what you write in the book, too, is the number two choice would have been Bill Belichick, who I think might be the greatest football coach of all time, certainly one of the top three of whoever in the NFL. Do you think that he would have done that kind of thing where Belichick has hung in with the Patriots, or do you think it would have been the same kind of explosion, even though Belichick had a different personality than Gruden? Yeah, I did. Now, it wouldn't have lasted long term if uh, Gruden would have signed that extension and he would have um, say a five-year extension he had coached four years um, it probably would have blown up in the middle of that five-year run Um, but um, you know that's tough to say Um, and it's hard to say what Gruden would have done because he could have gotten too full of himself as well and he could have wanted out but uh, yeah and it got right down to it with uh, Marcus Allen, Stabler, any of these guys. Is that Al? Uh, hey, 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 wait a minute. This is my team. I'm the one that put it together. I'm the one that's been here for all of these years. I was the coach of the year. And um, so you better recognize me. We will continue with our conversation with Steve Corcoran next week. When we return, you'll hear from your Vegas insider, the great Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, who will share his thoughts about the former mayor of Las Vegas, Oscar Goodman. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You'd never suspect that you could find natural beauty as part of a working landfill. You can. Today, waste management landfills provide more than 17,000 acres of protected land for wildlife habitats. Working closely with communities and the Wildlife Habitat Council, we can ensure there will be protected space for native animal and plant life to thrive. From everyday collection to environmental protection, think green, think waste management. I'm here with Logan Reed, my own personal business coach. You know, a lot of people may think this is all a bunch of psychobabble and that kind of thing. But in reality, this is stuff that on the surface may seem like we're going to explore our background. But actually, we're just getting really in touch with ourselves to see how we can be more successful. Is that what you try to do with people? It is. So I'm not so interested in what's happened in the past. What I'm looking for is where people are now, where they want to be, and coaching always takes place in the gap. So what are the things, where are the places where they're getting stopped that's in that gap? And then when we move through those, they end up having what they want, whatever their goal is for themselves. Okay, we're all excited about it now. So how do we get involved? How do we get more information about about you and what you're doing? Sure, you can give me a call at 360-529-1848 or email me at logan at loganreadcoaching.com. And you can also check out my website if you want to learn more about me at loganreadcoaching.com. With all the talk of fake news today, it's getting harder to know who to trust. Thousands of websites, millions of opinions, even the mainstream media has gotten caught in dishonest reporting. Now, if you're looking for information you can trust, why don't you try westernfreepress.com. At Western Free Press, they let you know where they stand and you can judge for yourself. 
No fake news, no feigned objectivity, just straight news and strong opinion. That's westernfreepress.com. Football is coming to Vegas. I felt that one way up here. And your home for all things Raiders is RaiderHistorian.com. Visit RaiderHistorian.com for a look at the game, the philosophy, and the personalities that have made the Raiders one of the most storied franchises in sports. The dynasty is at RaiderHistorian.com. Just win, baby. My son Casey was a bright, fearless 20-year-old with a boundless future ahead of him. But in the blink of an eye, he was gone. While out riding a skateboard, Casey fell. He was not wearing a helmet, or whole family wishes he was. It could have saved his life. I'm Captain Kevin Raffelli of the San Mateo Police Department. Parents, encourage your kids to strap on a helmet every time they jump on a bike, scooter, or skateboard. Think of my son Casey and use your head. Put a helmet on. It could save your life. A message from the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Oscar Goodman. Oh, you know, old Oscar, and now his wife is the mayor of Las Vegas and stuff. And I remember talking to him even back when I did a political show. Interesting guy. Is he really the power broker that people seem to think he is, or is he more just kind of a figurehead, kind of a fun, uh, kind of like like the, the guy with the funny mustache and Monopoly that, you know, it, it, it's an icon, but it really it doesn't run the town? Yeah, I mean, uh, for people that don't know, Oscar Goodman was the mayor before um, Carolyn Goodman. Carolyn Goodman is his wife, and she now... Uh, she is less controversial. She is a better kind of administrator. I don't know if better is the, the right word, but she she is the mayor in a different way than he was. He was the face of Las Vegas. He was a visionary about um, uh, kind of the growth, especially of downtown, but just the way uh, Las Vegas should be perceived in the world. He rarely would, would speak in public without showgirls on his arm, so it was very much the brand of Las Vegas. He uh, now is older, and he is still, you know, he's a personal hero to a lot of people. He was he was a mob lawyer, uh, so he was kind of a quasi-hero t- uh, to most people because he was defending kind of the worst of the worst of, of Las Vegas's criminal element uh, back in the day. But people have respect for him because he was always, the, he was the champion of the law and fair play and truth. So he would get his clients off on technicalities, but it was because law enforcement was overreaching. So he was way ahead of his time and like, you know, you know, fighting the powers that be. So now he ha- he uh, still makes public appearances, in a, kind of in a symbolic position. But but the reality is that the mayor of Las Vegas is always a symbolic position. They they basically are sitting in these meetings talking about zoning laws and easements and all these just boring legal things. Oscar Goodman had some flair. He would always have a drink in his hand. He'd always have his showgirls nearby. And just a fun, good-natured guy. I've heard so many stories about he'll He's a man of the people. He'll walk in a casino and go, all right, whatever... If you win or lose at this table, I'm going to pay your bets. And, he, you know, he'll stick to it, and he, he's just a good guy. Very old-school Vegas, and I don't think there's anybody else like him. And uh, I just hope he, you know, he can stay vital enough to kind of still make these public appearances and still, to me, be one of the, the most important kind of faces of Las Vegas. Thanks for joining us today. We will see you again next week. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul.